the kingdom of God. And I'm going to refresh our memory that the church had been praying and fasting and had heard from the Holy Spirit to set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. And so remember, they laid hands on, they prayed over them, and they sent them out. And that's where we're going to pick up Acts 13, starting with verse 4. The two of them, who is the two of them? Yeah, Barnabas and Saul. They were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This is the word of God. They were sent out on mission. And so... They had plans and intentions to go. And um, this reminds me of how we get sent out sometimes, but maybe not necessarily sent out on mission, although all of our life is mission. But I want to tell you about our um, nephew and niece who actually were sent out and came out on vacation. And they had intentions and they had plans and they had expectations of how it was going to go. And they came up from Cleveland with their two daughters this week for a much-needed rest. And they came up and their plan was to go up to Ludington and to surprise my nephew's old high school buddy and show up at his restaurant and see him at the restaurant and spend some time in Ludington, a beautiful area of Michigan, And then to go over and spend some time resting and relaxing at a little cabin. Well, they went and they get up to Ludington and they find the place 
And they're exhausted by the time they had traveled from Cleveland to Grand Rapids and then got up. Well, and then they went to the funeral and then they went up to um, Ludington. And they got there and they did get to see the friend. But he was so busy at his restaurant because it was lunch hour that they got a chance to just say hi and just touch base just a little bit. But it didn't meet with their expectations of what they had hoped. And then they start driving, which they thought was going to be a beautiful drive from Ludington over to this little cabin. And a tornado had gone through. And they said it looked like a war zone. And all these great big oak trees were just broken off, broken off, snapped off. And they get to the cabin, and there's no electricity. And there they are with their two daughters, and they're tired, and it's 5 p.m., and they're wondering what to do. And they're, have you ever had a little tension, anybody, in a family car when things aren't going to plan? Maybe. I see some people laughing and snickering, right? And so they had a little tension among themselves. And they said, okay, we'll just, we'll go drive into town. Our daughter is gritting her teeth at night. We'll go get a bite splint and try to figure out, are we staying with no electricity? Or are we going back to Grand Rapids? What are we doing? And they called us and anyway. And so then it turns out that they make the decision. We came up here to rest. This is a restful place. We don't have power, but we're just going to um, do it anyway. We're going to stay. And so they persevered. And then some neighbors brought over some extension cords because the neighbors had generators. And so suddenly there was water so they could flush the toilet and a line that they could keep the refrigerator cold. And then about bedtime, the power came on. (sighs) That's kind of a nice ending to the story, but they had to persevere and they had to meet some unexpected challenges along the way. Well, we've got... Barnabas and Saul, who have come out and been sent out. And we can't read too much into what happened in the first city on this island, but they were going back to um, Barnabas's hometown. And so I bet their expectations were quite great about what the Lord was going to do. They were called by the Holy Spirit. They had been blessed by the church and prayed for and sent out. And he's going back to his own hometown. And we hear that they went to the synagogue But then they moved on, and there's no report at this point. So I don't know whether there was initial fruit. There certainly was fruit afterwards, we hear in some of the other letters. But I think it probably was subpar for what they were expecting. And then they move, and they move around the island, and they're going from one side of the island to the other, and it's about a week's journey. And when you're working with new teammates, and they were a um, multi-ethnic Um, team and so they probably had their own challenges of going through and then who do they meet when they get to the city where they're headed the first person that's mentioned is the sorcerer (sighs) when you're coming as a representative of the holy god and the first person you meet is a false prophet opposition Right off the bat, there, I think their trip had been such that they maybe were in that first city and maybe it was kind of like my nephew seeing his old buddy, but it wasn't maybe what he was hoping as far as a reunion and a celebration. And then it gets over and hits a great opposition. An opposition means standing against, standing firmly against. 
And so to stand and to stand firm and then to oppose means not only to be against, but actually to want to um, stand in place of and remove the other. And so here is this one who is relying on witchcraft, which in the Old Testament it forbid. We aren't looking to the stars for guidance. We're not looking to tarot cards. We're not looking to divination. We're not looking to any other source for knowledge and guidance. They're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be looking to God alone. And here's this one who's relying on witchcraft to have a place of of um, leading this pro-council, which means like the governor of a, like if we have a governor of our state, this is somebody who was in the Roman um, government and is overseeing this whole region. And he has a place of, of um, prestige and status because he's giving this false guidance. But the pro-council at that point had thought, well, because that was kind of common, that they would listen to this person. And so Barnabas and Saul face this opposition, direct opposition against what they've come to do because the proconsul, the Lord had started to work, the Holy Spirit had started to work in this proconsul's mind, and he was asking to hear the word of the Lord. And yet, here's this false prophet that's wanting to keep him from converting to the faith in Jesus Christ. So... Why is it so important to persevere and not give up on mission? Because this man's eternal destiny is at stake. Not only is this proconsul's destiny at stake, will he be in the kingdom of light or will he remain in the kingdom of darkness, but he holds a position that can make it much more, um, much easier for Christianity to be able to move in in this, the spread of the gospel around this whole island if there's not Roman opposition. And so the whole climate, the spiritual climate, is at stake. And then we've got this mission team. And what would it do to the church that had just sent them if they came back defeated and discouraged and broken and given up? And so there's a lot at stake, including, if you notice, that here's this John Mark person that is being trained up, and he's watching everything that Barnabas and Saul is doing. And this is his formation, his spiritual formation. His mama, who had a a church meeting in her home, asked them, apparently, if they would take him along and train him up. And so he's being trained for ministry, and he's watching his leaders So there's very, very much at stake. Why is God allowing this to happen? I think we can stop and ask the question, why do we, why does he allow when things are, we've got a mission and we've got um, people to share the good news with, why does he allow opposition? And I think that passage from James said, consider it pure joy. Because he's actually allowing us to identify what are we having faith in And he's maturing us. He's growing us up into our identities in Christ Jesus. He's building their spiritual muscle. And so when they face this opposition, the Lord's saying, this is an opportunity to exercise your spiritual muscle. 
And so how do they respond? I want to say that, first of all, I notice that they went out in team. And so they had the opportunity. Barnabas was the leader because he was mentioned first. And then Saul was the secondary partner in this mission. And yet they were working in team and there was a mutuality. And so that when it was needed and understood that actually Saul was the one to respond at this particular time. Saul was the one that was asked and given the opportunity to exercise a gift. They used the right gift or the right tool at the right time. Remember, we were told earlier that Barnabas and Saul, that they were prophets and teachers. And Barnabas meant son of encouragement. And so he could have tried to use encouragement with the false prophet. And he could have spent all day trying to encourage this guy to get his chip off of his shoulder and um, quit causing such disturbance. But, you know, maybe maybe you just need a little encouragement. And that would have been just the enemy's plan to just keep him sidetracked so that they can't talk to the pro-counsel. Or what if it would have been um, a mercy heart and thinking, well, this, this um, Elemis... This false prophet, he must have just had a bad upbringing, and he must just really have a lot of anger issues. And so they could have engaged him in mercy and listening forever. And again, that would have not been, that would have not gotten the mission accomplished. It took the distinguishing of spirits, a different gift, and the Holy Spirit gave a different gift, the gift that was needed, to distinguish that actually we're experiencing spiritual oppression right now and the enemy needs to be bound. And apparently the Lord saw fit that he needed to be blinded in order for the interference to stop and the gospel to go forward. And so it was mutuality. There was the right gift at the right time, which is distinguishing of spirits. Friends, this happens today. And I have permission to share with you that Pastor Dave and I had a little discussion with um, one of the faculty at Calvin Seminary this week. And he was sharing how that as part of his, after he became a pastor, part of his mentoring, his mentor introduced him to his mentor who said, Jeff, come with me. And today I want you to pray while I'm praying for somebody in my office. I want you to come along and I just want you to pray. And so he said, okay. So they go and he sits and he says, there's this elderly man, this pastor with his Bible in his hand, interacting with somebody who's having a struggle and a difficulty. And anyway, and so Jeff is sitting there praying and he said, pretty soon, all of a sudden, evil started to manifest. And he said, he goes, I, I was just praying and watching and like, whoa. And he said, and this older gentleman just with great authority cast out evil and just kept repeating the promises of God and going to his Bible and very calmly helping bring freedom, freedom from a conflicted mind, freedom from the challenges that were oppressing this person. So there was opposition in somebody's life, and the pastor was helping to bring the freedom of Jesus by exerting the authority of Christ. 
And he said, I saw this and witnessed this with my own eyes. It's a journey of actually first having a biblical worldview that these things, these spiritual forces, this is actually our battle. And then how do we cooperate with the Lord to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be gifted by the Holy Spirit, to engage with the right tool at the right time, and in this case to speak in God's authority a word of judgment to say stop, quit interfering. And isn't that justice? Isn't that what we see when we see good, godly um, government and like police officers are supposed to help bring justice so that people, there's a safe environment, right? So stop. If you're interfering and you're causing something that's unjust or causing somebody to be bothered or troubled or a dangerous situation, a police officer will say stop in the authority of the government that has been given in that authority. So in the same way as Christians, here is Saul standing as a Christian in the authority of the governance of the kingdom of God saying, stop. In Jesus' name, stop. It's speaking God's judgment for the purpose of life. And so it's, this is grace to speak in the authority of God so that people can be saved, people can be healed, people can be delivered. And you notice that he's going to be blind for a time, and it's really acting out what he was, this, this false prophet was so spiritually blinded, and it just actually put it in the natural what his spiritual condition was, but he said it was for a time. And so even in that, we can see hope. That maybe through that blindness, even as Saul himself had had a period of blindness and then recognized who Jesus was and converted and started to become a follower of Jesus Christ, we can hope and pray that that's what happened in this situation as well. I want to give a couple of examples of the need for recognizing when there is opposition and persevering in the authority of Jesus Christ for a kingdom outcome. Because we're called all, each of us that are Christians, are called to embody the kingdom of God, to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to advance the kingdom of God. And so in evangelism, shortly after I started here, we had something called Grace Space, and one day I was having a conversation with a woman, and I was trying to share the gospel And I went through sin and the fall and how that Jesus had come to reverse the effects of that and forgive us of our sins and restore us back into the kingdom of light. And the woman was just confused and made some statements that was just obvious that this she did not understand. And so I said, well, let me explain it to you again. And so I went through again about we've all fallen short of the glory of God And um, Jesus laid down his life on the cross because of great love. And, you know, and again, she was confused. And in that time, as I'm speaking to her, but I'm also praying in my mind, and I felt like the Lord gave me discernment that there is a spirit of confusion at work here. So I just looked at her, 
and um, smiled and just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, any spirit of confusion, I bind you now. And I just repeated exactly what I had said for the third time. And she was so clear and was like, yes, I'm a sinner, and I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. And she prayed to receive Christ. So exerting the authority of Jesus Christ by using the gift of the Holy Spirit and just speaking in that authority. Second example, in counseling, meeting with someone recently, and um, there was a party of four people around the table. And anyway, and um, this this um, person has been walking for a very short time with Christ and was having a lot of um, conflicted thoughts and feelings about a decision that was being made. And so with this conflicting thoughts and feelings, it seemed like they were they were attempting to follow the Lord, and yet there were all these opposing thoughts and feelings, and so their decision-making, like when I read that about James, about being tossed to and from, Like it seemed like asking God for wisdom, but yet also relying on feelings and thoughts. And even um, I just kept getting this sense of like superstition. Like somehow if I do this, like there's just some kind of superstition or something that would that would sway their decision making. And so I said, I am kind of discerning that maybe there's superstition is, the, is it possible that there's superstition in your family or that you made decisions based on fears and things, you know, like that you kind of had little sayings or whatever? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of superstition in my family. And I said, well, would it be okay if we would just, um, you would actually say to the Lord, I only want to hear your voice and follow your voice, and that we would just bind anything from superstition or any ways that that could affect you? And so they said yes. And anyway, so they prayed, and I just stood in authority and said, no superstition can influence this decision-making in Jesus' name. It was very calm. There was no yelling or screaming or anything like that. It was just exerting the authority of Jesus Christ, just as simple as a police officer pulling you over and saying, let me see your license and your registration. You know, and so, and what happens Within the week, there's clarity, there's decisions made that seem to be very much in line with what the Lord had already started to do in this this particular situation, and it kept them from getting very much veered off in another direction. All right? One more quick thing, because I think maybe for some of us, this is where the battle is the most critical right now, and it's the battle of our minds. If we do not have peace of mind, if we feel like our mind is like you're a ship, like I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm seeing some um, faces and some nods that are saying, I'm just feeling like I'm just getting battled. My mind, I'm just getting like, I think I'm supposed to do this. I think I'm supposed to do that. I'm having this thought. I'm having that thought. There are opposing forces that want to keep you from staying on mission with the Lord. And his mission is first of all to be the king of peace in us, and we bring come as agents of shalom and peace to those around us. And so the battle, the opposing forces, the spiritual forces of darkness can be right against 
our very thoughts. Planting thoughts of doubt, fear, anxiety, troubled thoughts, conflicting paths of I should go this way or I should go that way. And I think the Lord wants to really reinforce in us that as we rely on him, God the Holy Spirit, to give us discernment, we can ask him, Lord, would you help me discern and would you help others in community? Because Saul wasn't working by himself. He was with Barnabas and he was with John Mark. Would you help us to discern if I'm having warfare against my mind right now? And then stand against it in the name of Jesus Christ and say, no, confusion be gone, conflicting guidance be gone. How did this happen? It happened because there was this distinguishing of spirits because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He changes his name. It changes from Saul to Paul. Right here, right here. Listen up. If you're getting tired, wake up right now. This is important. Saul changes to Paul. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says this. Why did they change? Why did they point out the name change here? Some people say, oh, it's because that was his Roman name. And he was talking in a Roman context. And so, you know, therefore they maybe would build a bridge. I really want to propose something different here. His name in the Roman name means little. If I came and I wanted to talk to the city commissioner, if I came in and I said, oh, my name is Van Andel or my name is DeVos, that might get me a hearing. If I come in and say, my name is Little Podunk, whatever, you know, it's not going to really be so impressive. I think the Lord wants us to see that Paul came in with a posture of little me, big God. Little me, big God. And that as Saul had humbled himself, he used to be one that was arrogant and just marching in and wanting to kill and be against the Lord. But as he comes in in his humility, the Holy Spirit, who is God, filled him. And in his humility, a little person can do a big thing. And what Saul did, whose name changed to Paul there, as he saw himself as little and not in his own weakness, was relying on the Lord's strength and the Lord's empowering and gifting, the Lord did a mighty work and brought this governor to salvation. And it opened the way for the whole spiritual climate to change in that atmosphere. It strengthened Paul and Barnabas' faith as they exercise these new gifts and authority that they have been given and the kingdom advances. He wants to do that in our lives as we share the gospel. He wants to do that as we interact with people. He wants us to exercise that same faith even in the discernment of our own thoughts and in in our minds so that he can bring peace, he can bring shalom, and he can help you continue to walk out the mission that he's called you.
So let me pray. Lord, I ask right now that you would help us to humble ourselves before you, to not lean on our own understanding, but, Lord, that in all of our ways that we would acknowledge you and that you would direct paths and that you would bring about your kingdom purposes, Lord, in the interactions that happen, as we attempt to share the gospel, Lord, in the interactions that happen as we interact with one another, that you would give us a fullness of God the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to give wise and godly counsel and to use the right tool and the right gift at the right time. And, Lord, I pray that if there's any way that we've been... um, cooperating with a barrage of thoughts that have been coming into our minds that are not of you, Lord, would you give the gift of distinguishing of spirits and would you strengthen our spiritual muscle to stand up to opposing forces and to say, no, I rely completely and fully on the work of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, would you, would you bring about peace Lord, I just ask that you would just bring peace. Wherever there's a storm right now and a storm in minds, Lord, I pray that you would bring peace as they turn to you and they say, little me, but big you, because you are a big and an almighty God. And you know the beginning from the end and your ways are perfect and higher than our ways. Lord, we submit to you and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.